You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today we are joined by Nathan Messina and our new sports reporter here at KLSU, Andon Brabham. How are we doing today, guys? Pretty crappy, not going to lie. I'd like to say I'm good, but... There are some things going on. Don't want to be lying, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a very harsh weekend if you were an LSU fan as they were defeated in their fourth straight opener as they fell to the eighth-ranked Florida State Seminoles by a score of 45-24. to 24. Just purely embarrassing second half for LSU. So let's just go – let's get right into it. we got a lot to talk about today. Let's start off with the LSU offense. You start off on the first drive, march down the field with a motion trick to the left with Trey Bradford, and they get – to about the 10, and then you go for it on fourth down at the one after not being able to run it. And Daniel slips, and, and they turn it over. Uh, so what what was it about this drive uh, that kind of set the tone for this game, and why was this a must-score, must and, and should LSU have taken the three points here? For me, it was just the, the garbage play calling. That's my, my personal opinion. You had four straight plays on the goal line, and none of them were from under center. Uh, then that, that theme of bad coaching just kind of carried on throughout the entire game from scheming Harold Perkins, who's one of the best players in college football, completely out of this game to just straight-up horrendous red zone play calling. Yeah, I I agree about the play calling. I mean, you ran, like you said, the four plays at the goal line, but you ran six plays from inside the five-yard line, and you ran the same play six times, and every single time none of them worked, and then you end up – like Andre said, with Jaden Daniels slipping on the fourth down and getting sacked and turning the ball over. But, man, it, it really, you know, you ask, was it a must-score drive? I think no, no first drive is a must-score drive. No drive in the first quarter, in the first half, is a must-score drive. But you get the ball to start the game. Trey Bradford gets a huge play on the first game when nobody's expecting Trey Bradford to even be in that spot. You get the big play. You're set up to go. You run six plays from inside the five-yard line. The fact that you could not score a touchdown kind of told you everything about how your offense was going to play today. And everything that you saw on that first drive when LSU stalled out held true. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You can always talk about taking the points. But in the moment, I liked going for it. You know, I thought it was a good chance to kind of punch Florida State in the mouth a little bit. Yeah. And it was a huge missed opportunity. And I thought it was okay to go for it, but why would you run the same exact play that you've been r- running? I mean, it's it's so repetitive to the point where, I mean, Florida State knew it was up to jo- to Jaden Daniels. Is he yeah. going to hand it off or is he not? Yeah, it's been the same. It was the same play last, last year. Last year, yeah. It was, the play that, it was the play that won you the game against Alabama, but it doesn't always work. Right. When you play against good, strong edges like Florida State had, that play doesn't always work. And – you had some good things happen with it during the game, but you ran it so much that Florida State was like, okay, here's how we're going to play this. It works. We're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, I think it was just a coaching issue, like Nathan said. So we're just going to kind of get into that more so. Um, in the first half, uh, just in general, what could LSU have done more to execute in the red zone and on third down? Call different plays. Call different goddamn plays. Like, like we just said, it's the same play. You get Mason Taylor coming across the formation. He leaks out into the flat, and it's a read option for Jaden Daniels. Or uh, RPOs, it's now. There's called. no RPOs being played, by the way. They're like, they're, there are so many 
like just it was just motions. Like we yeah. saw a lot of motions. We didn't see a lot of RPOs. Yeah, but that is the one RPO play that LSU, that LSU uses used. in short yardage situations or in any situation. First play of the game was RPO. Yeah, and it's when the whoever it is, the halfback, it was Trey Bradford on the first play, but on most plays it's Mason Taylor comes across yep. the formation and you tell Jane Dance, okay, if the running back is there on the power, you hand it off. If the edge crashes, you keep it. Yep. And when that corner rolls down, you either flip it or you keep it and run. Right. And Jaden, to be fully honest, wasn't able to make those reads as effectively as you'd like. Right. For me, it was just the the failure to keep Trey Bradford involved. I mean, he looked incredible in that first quarter, especially with the huge play he had. And then from that point on, he just disappeared. Like it was, you just failed to keep what looked like one of your best players of the day involved in in the game. And I mean, they tried to use him a little later on, but it was just too late at that point. Like, and even when they did, the offensive line just absolutely failed him and had a big tackle for loss on one play. But even even if you did fail, like even with the way they did fail to use him, you missed so many opportunities for points. I know y'all said you didn't mind going for the going for the touchdowns. Yeah. Like I, I still would have I wouldn't have like been mad if they did kick take the three. Yeah. For me, for me, this is I, I understand Brian Kelly was trying to like show off and wanted to set the tone early or whatever. But in my opinion, in this kind of game, you have to just take points where you can get them. Yeah. You can't you can't take that yeah. kind of risk. In a week one game. In a right? week one game against the number eight team in the country, like you have to take your points where you can. I think on the first drive it made sense. Because like you were on the one yard line. You were on the one yard line, and usually, you know that one. I don't have as much of an like, issue. Like with. analytically, you That's, should you score, should, right? Yeah, statistically, if, if you, you look at it statistically and percentage wise, you know, which he has a guy for that, by the way. Yeah, I, every coaching staff in college football has a guy that has a big book with all the numbers on it that says, "Hey, we're in this situation on this yard line. Let's call this or let's punt." It. I don't mind going for it on the first drive, but when you go for it again. And again, and again, and none of them work, and they all turn out the same way. I think every single play was a tackle for loss, or or a sack, or something like that to end those fourth downs. You're thinking, man, maybe we should just send Damian Ramos out there and just take our points. You, you would think. I mean, in a week, like I said, a week one top ten matchup, you need your points where you can get them. You Especially can't on the afford first, first drives. I mean, it's not like you were down by all these touchdowns. Right. Like you, like you didn't you didn't need a touchdown. You just needed points on the board. Yep. I, I think it all starts with execution on the players' part, and they didn't execute. So secondly, when the players don't execute, I saw zero coaching adjustments to help those players do execute. Therefore, I think this is a real issue for the coaches, and, and I would blame them in this instance. Their entire job is to make changes while the game occurs, just to adjust to any sort of stop. I think the run game was not working, but they just entirely gave up on it uh, in, the, in the second half after the right side of the line was struggling. And, and as an offensive coordinator, you have to adjust to that. I think LSU play calling also just needed to be more creative in senses of getting the ball downfield to their receivers and running backs involved. So I think that's kind of on Denbrock, but that's yeah. just me. And, I mean, to your point, you know, you talk about, well, yeah, the the right side of the offensive line had a bad day. Charles Turner, uh, Miles Frazier, who we'll get to, and Emory Jones. He had, didn't have the best day, but he, he, out of all of them, probably they, held up the best. But they all had subpar days where you yep. look and be like, man, y'all could have been better. But here's the thing. You got two other offensive linemen that played just fine. Derek 
uh, Garrett Dellinger was just fine. Will Campbell was just fine against Jared Burst. Right. Why didn't you run it to the left run side? Run to the left side. Yep. Run to the left side. I get it. Yeah. Put, put, put Brian Thomas there, who's your best blocking wide receiver. Put in your blocking tight end. Put in your blocking package and run to the left side. And you, when you did put Brian Thomas on tight, when, when you ran tight, you had him on the left side and you still ran to the right. So Yeah. I mean, it just – it was – my biggest so issue with the coaching staff is whether your players execute or not, you got to make sure they're in the right spots to succeed. Yeah, I and I thought consistently throughout the night, Brian Kelly and co were putting guys in bad spots to succeed. We're making safeties who are both in the box, hard hitting, run stopping safeties cover six foot four, six foot seven wide receivers down the field. What are we doing? Yeah, I agree. Didn't didn't play to their strengths is what boils no, down to. No. Absolutely oh, yeah. not. And and it was a coaching thing. I think coaching lost this game. But what's what's the problem with this LSU wide receiver room? I, I think is this just a talent issue or is it just an execution thing or is it both? Why is no one getting open? It's it it was just I'm not gonna say solely, but almost solely an execution problem. Especially with Kyron Lacey. You had two passes from Jane Daniels, hit him square in the chest. Like, like we were talking to Frisch earlier, said it left a dent in his chest almost, yep. and you still drop them. Your whole job as a wide receiver is to receive the ball. It's in yep. the name of the position. Really good passes by Jaden too. Like some yeah, of exactly. them weren't, the third but the ones down. that he dropped, the ones that he dropped, the ones that he dropped were square in his chest. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing this for over a decade, your whole life. You've been playing football, and the, like one of the first things they teach you is to, how to catch the freaking ball. You got you're playing at a D1 SEC school, and you don't know how to catch a football. You la la, bro. I'm telling y'all. I'm, dude, I'm telling you. And you just, like, you have to, like, how do you not know how to catch a football? Like I said, you're at a D1 SEC program. Yeah. It's just unacceptable in a game like this that you, I'm not going to say have to win, but you almost had to win. Like, it's it's just, it blows my mind that you don't, that you can't catch a football. And then the the one with Brian Thomas, sure, it was a bad throw from Jane Daniels. He underthrew it a good bit. But it's still, my philosophy philosophy is Touch if it hands. hits you in the hands, you gotta catch. You it. gotta pull it in. The ball was or at in least, his hands. Like, at least Why? make the cornerback take it from you, right? Like, yeah. The, the, you know the ball saying? was in his hands. Why did it leave his hands? If yeah. it was there, why was it suddenly not in his hands? Yeah. yeah. That's you, once he again. He expected it somewhere, and then he just didn't move his hands. That's, once that's again, you're point. a wide receiver. Catch the ball. It's the reason you're on the freaking team. Yeah, I think you know I. I think it's a little bit of both with the wide receivers. I definitely don't think that this is the kind of wide receiving core that wins national championships. And that's not to say they're not talented. I think Kyron Lacey's a heck of a ball player who just had a really bad night. I think Brian Thomas is a heck of a ball player. I think Malik Neighbors is a heck of a ball player. All the way down, Chris Hilton, all those dudes. But you got outplayed. You got outdogged. You got outedged. Outschemed. There was no fighting for separation. There was no effort. There was no change of direction. It, it, you know, when you watch the All-22, once the guys are done running their routes and it's time to figure Block it out or, yep, or, or it's time to get creative, none of those guys are doing that. They're just kind of standing there, you know, and I, I think it was really indicative of the kind of energy level that the team had, the kind of motivation they had, and the kind of game plan that was in place for those guys. 
And then my, my other thing, and this goes again a little bit back to coaching, why did when, when these receivers just aren't really working out, why are we not seeing Chris Hilton out That's there? That's exactly what I had. Like, why are we not yeah. seeing sh- even Shelton Sampson, dude? I would That's love what to I was see, about to say. see or him Kyle out Parker, there. Or Kyle Parker, any of them. Yeah, like, you got guys. You have guys. Jaylen you got Brown. guys. Use I mean, them. You brought I'm 70 at, guys. At some point when you knew you were losing last Sunday night, um, why didn't you just Go give put, some guys some runs. Give them some experience. I mean, obviously – you're not coming back from this, right? I think Brian Thomas is the only guy that's safe. Kyron Lacey, with the way he played this week, I think he's replaceable. Yeah, I agree. I, I could see that. But, man, I you know, I find it so harsh because Kyron Lacey was in spots last year where it's like, man, that's a really great play from Kyron Lacey. There were spots in the first half where it's like, man, that's a really oh, good play he, from Kyron he had Lacey. A, he had a great big play to, uh, to like, the one-yard line in the yeah. first half. It and just, then after that, he just fell off the cliff, and I don't know if he got the yips or what, but he was just not good. It was just really a big issue. And you talk about it. You bring 70 guys to games, to neutral site games. You bring 70 guys. You have at least eight wide receivers. Yep. You tell me outside of those three guys, nobody was ready to get on right. the field? I nobody? Mean, we've, been, we've been hearing – what kind of summer that Chris Hilton's been Yeah, you, you and Aaron Anderson. You what said kind of all dynamic summer, does it bring to your You your said team? all summer that Aaron Anderson was going to be your X factor. You said all so. summer that Chris Hilton had a great camp. You were saying how much you liked yep. Shelton Sampson. And all the Logan Diggs talk and, and he wasn't even playing. Logan, did Logan Diggs even play a snap? No, he didn't. Not one snap. Nope. From the guy that you said was gonna hey, be, yeah. Come be our guy. Yeah. And he didn't even see the field, dude. And that's not that's, that's not Kelly. to disrespect. I think he's lying. That's not to disrespect Trey Bradford or no. Josh Williams no, no, no. or any of the running backs. But Logan Diggs has stuff that those guys don't. Exactly. And when you tell Logan Diggs, hey, you're going to come be our guy, and then he's not your guy, and you're like, I firmly believe, and I told both of y'all this in pregame, this is the biggest game of the year. This was, this was the biggest game of the year. You had to set the tone. You had to go get this one. It, this was as must win as a first week game could be. And you didn't bring your guys. No. You didn't bring your guys. And I understand it's about who practices well. It's about who prepares well. But you can't tell me that Logan Diggs wasn't one of the top three running backs in yeah, practice. You just have to put guys that you know can win you games. Exactly. Like, I, I don't care what practices or what whatever that led up to. You have to, based off the film, I mean, straight up, if in the game they know what they're doing and experience, I think you have to just throw them out there. But moving on, uh, Jaden Daniels certainly didn't have the best of nights with a bad interception, a few bad throws, but obviously that's going to happen. Uh, he still threw for 347 yards and rushed for 64, so that's a bright spot for LSU fans. But uh, what did Jaden struggle doing Sunday night, and what does he need to do better? In my opinion, for all the LSU fans that are out there blaming this game on Jaden, stop talking. Yes. You don't know ball. Yes. You don't know what you're talking about. If you want to say that Jaden – didn't improve since last year? Sure, that's an argument you can make. I'm I'm fine with you saying that. I don't necessarily think you're right, but that's an argument you can make based off the game last night. But he's still a good quarterback, even if he didn't improve. The interception that he threw wasn't even really his fault. That was Malik Neighbors' slip, and it was just kind of a miscommunication on the route. So you can't even be mad at that. If he wants to be better, he just needs to get the ball out quicker and just know when to throw it away. That was my big thing. It's pretty clear that the offensive line – is not as good as we thought, so he's just going to have to be quicker with with making decisions on his feet. Yeah, that was kind of my general takeaway. I, I pretty much firmly agree with Nate. Like, 
if you're one of the people that's like, oh, we need to bench Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is Starting the reason us. you lost Starting the game. Us. Starting us, Meyer. You're not watching the game. You're not watching the game. And we can get into the reasons why LSU fans don't like Jaden Daniels, but that's for a different podcast. That's that you know, that's for a different show. But you know, this this loss didn't come on Jaden Daniels. You talk about bad throws. No, you talk about a bad this was, pick. This was also just a collective effort too. It was it wasn't lost by just Jaden Daniels. I mean, I think Jaden Daniels in some moments kept you in the game. Oh, one thousand percent. He was yeah. the only reason we were in this game up until after the half. But if you want to talk about bad throws and a bad interception, Jordan Travis had the same kind of night that Jaden Daniels did. Yeah, the but, problem is everybody around Jordan Travis stepped up. Everybody around Jaden Daniels stepped down. Everybody wearing a red jersey stepped up to the occasion. Everybody wearing yeah, a white jersey backed off. After that bad throw he did have, he completed every other pass yeah. that night, by the way. So I think JD5 struggled Sunday with just de- decision-making on the field. I, I think a lot of that came with the read option. He and that's, that's the same thing over. we saw last year, too. Yeah, and I think if he hands the ball over a few more times in the red zone, LSU probably scores a touchdown on one of those drives. And I think Jaden had had his fair share of bad throws, but I think, like I said, that's gonna that's gonna get sorted out as the season goes. And that's gonna happen to yeah. a quarterback. You're gonna have a game yeah. where a guy isn't where you think he's gonna be, right? But you think he's gonna be there, and you let it rip, and it's a bad ball, especially in college football. Well, yeah. What I what I just want to see him do, I'd like to see him throw it away instead of taking bad sacks. Uh, yeah, I uh, think that was the general. That kinda, was my point. And, and then the, the the worst part, I I think. A lot of this serves questions about the locker room. We we thought he was going to be a huge leader, and he's just got his head down, not saying a word on the bench. Yeah, uh, he was I, I one of like the first. Yeah. He was one of the first heads to drop, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to it. But you know, what really frustrated me, and I'll I'll make a bigger point about it later, is you talked all summer about guys that were going to be stepping up as leaders: Jaden Daniels, Harold Perkins. When I look around the LSU sideline, two of the first heads I saw dropping were Harold Perkins and Jaden Daniels. Yep, I agree. What does that What does that send to the rest of your that's locker your room? Two most that, talented players. That's your head, that's your captain. That's one of your captains right there, Jaden Daniels, and he's one of the first guys to drop his to head. Give up. Yep. I, I and and moving on, but we're we're going to talk about this more. I, the offensive line is a group that many people were just so thrilled about this past spring and summer, including us. Uh, they fooled us. They, these guys still allowed four sacks on Jaden as well as only 50 yards rushing by the running backs. We said on the Sunday show this team wouldn't win without running it well, and they couldn't. What is the problem with the offensive line, and how should they be lined up come week two? I mean, Emory Jones was flat out not good last night along with the entire right side of that offensive line. Um, he got blown over several key points in that game, including the Daniels goal line sack and uh, that uh, – a tackle for loss and on uh, Trey Bradford on a key drive in the in the fourth quarter. Mason Taylor also, I think, did not get noticed. Missed a lot of key blocks last night. Uh, that just needs to get tidied up. As far as fixing it, I don't really know. I think Annan had a better take on this than I did. I'm hoping maybe it's just a case of uh, going against one of the best defensive line and units in the country in your very first game. I hope that's the case. Got to be. Uh, and I'm hoping Grambling can maybe be a little bit of a, a get-right game for this unit, but maybe they just flat-out suck. I don't know. It will be, you know, and, and that's the thing. This Grambling State game that's coming up is going to be a big, oof, it's going to be a big pressure release for everybody because every gonna, everybody's going to be like, all right, we got into the win column. It was pretty easy. I don't think anybody's expecting Grambling to come in and 
give us a real kind of fight. Um, but my my take on the offensive line is something has to shift. We remember a point after the Florida State game last year where Emory Jones wasn't in the starting lineup. Cam Wire was playing center. Charles Turner was playing right guard. You had a very different first five than you did the following week. I think the same thing needs to happen here. Your entire right side of the offensive line got bullied, and I think you need to see new bodies. The only person on the right side of the offensive line for me that is staying there is Emory Jones, and Emory Jones is kicking inside and playing right guard. Lance Hurd, for me, is the guy at right tackle. I think everybody knows, everybody who was in camp saw Lance Hurd play really well, and I think you need to make a change at center. Charles Turner is incredibly experienced, but having experience doesn't always mean you have good experience, and Charles Turner didn't play well, and he's not great at making calls at the line. He's not great at... He's not great in pass pro. He can get his shoulder square and get down the field and run in run blocking, but how often was he doing that Sunday night? For me, Marlon Martinez is your center going forward. And I think when you make that shift and you tell these guys, hey, this is our unit, let them gel together, then that offensive line is going to start to improve because it really, really, really has to get better in pass pro. I think this group has has no excuse to why they aren't dominant. Um, I think they're super experienced now, like like we all said, and even played against a much harsher defensive front in Georgia last year and still held up better than that. But uh, the right side of the line, like Andon said, was just the worst last night. I think moving forward, like I agree, I think you slide Emory Jones at right guard and you put Hurd at right tackle. I think it's going to be intense. It's going to be some growing pains. But that just comes with being new to the position. I mean, Will Campbell had his welcome to college moment. Good thing – for Hurd, he is grambling next week, and then you get Mississippi State, who doesn't have any really yeah. much more defensive front talent like like Florida State. But I thought Campbell did really well going up against Verse. Uh, we we knew Jared Verse was going to get his. Yeah, um, and, 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 and they and, both got and, theirs. Yeah, they both got theirs. So uh, you know that's going to happen. I thought Dellinger was good too. Um, and you know you talk about the growing pains. You started true two true freshmen at tackle last year. I'm okay with having four experienced guys on that offensive line in Campbell, Dellinger, Martinez, and Jones, and then letting Lance Hurd figure it out. Figure it out. Because a lot of times when LSU runs tight, we run that tight on that right side with Mason Taylor throwing a chip or a running back throwing a chip to help out the tackle. LSU loves to do that. They throw that chip block, and then they'll go out into their route in the flats. So I think I'm okay with having one guy going through some growing pains then have a whole side of my offensive line that's just ineffective. My my other thing with this offensive line, this was uh, something that came out today on the day we're recording this. Um, Mr. Miles Frazier. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Joshua Farmer, Florida State defensive lineman, said in a, a press conference after practice today, here's a quote, oh, yeah, it was over with. I think number 70, which is Miles Frazier, was like, man, y'all good up front. When he told us that in the second half, you don't tell no defensive lineman that. It was over with when we heard him say that. Why are you telling the defensive line, the man r- lined up across from you, man, y'all look good a, up front. In a tie game. In a tie game against the number eight team in the country. What are we doing? What kind of soft stuff is this? What this That's isn't, not LSU. It's yeah. not LSU. It's not. It's not like – 
That's, that's not LSU. That's, that's participation trophy football right there. Yeah, I hate that. Especially when you look at the offensive linemen that LSU's produced, and especially and like, you look, in a state like you look at the Les Miles era when they're doing follow, big cat drill. If you follow Louisiana high school football, Louisiana is not a big offensive lineman state. No, they're not. We, you pick and choose a few but, guys like Will Campbell show up, but LSU is known. We put good offensive linemen into the NFL. Ethan Posick. Damian Lewis are both starting in the NFL Andrew right Andrew Whitworth. Now. Will, Andrew Whitworth. Will Clapp. Lyle Collins. Will Clapp. Um, there's more. I yeah, mean, there's a ton more. Yeah. There's a ton more. The one that just signed for the Saints, whose name I can't think of right now. Um, but you put good offensive linemen into the NFL. LSU is about physicality. Right. At every position. And if, Brian Kelly they, is the best at developing offensive linemen, in my, in my opinion. And, and you just look at that. He's yeah. turned them into like, sissies, dude. Like, what are yeah. we Miles doing? Miles Frazier to just say, man, y'all good up front. Yeah, that's that ridiculous. That is a complete – and you know, you can tell what his body language is. And I don't think they're all quote. doing that, right? Like, I don't no, think he's no. – I don't think that's like, a whole group like, issue. You, I think that's Will a Campbell's, Miles Frazier issue. Will Campbell's surely not going to tell people that. I, well, you know? I think it is kind of a whole team issue. Sure, Miles Frazier's the one saying that. Uh, yeah. But it boils down to that they're this team had no fire, no competitive edge. Nothing. It was it was like they just rolled over yeah. and died. Yeah. It and it was like they expected it. They, they expected yeah. to be good and when they like played comfortably in the first half and they were like, "Oh, it's a three-point game." That's when they're I mean, that shows. They were why satisfied. They, they got exactly. too comfortable. Yeah. And you talk about Les Miles, and I know that Les Miles is he who shall not be named on this campus these days. Yeah. But Les Miles Physical was teams. all about physicality at every level. When you watched an LSU defense play, you would sit there and be like, oh, those guys hit. You felt it. Yep. You felt it through the TV screen. You're like, man, that these guys are, are going to war. And you knew when you played LSU, you were in for a tough game and you were going to get your ass kicked, whether even, you won or lost. Even under Ed Ogeron, they were like that. Patrick Queen... He quote tweeted the video that uh, Joshua Farmer saying that today, saying, um, "Man, when when we played against that Alabama wide receiver core with rugs, we, with rugs and all all the yep. Devontae Smith and all hey, those don't guys." Don't say, man, y'all are good at receiver, man. They said y'all he, got he was like, there. "Man, we were talking trash to him and telling him, man, y'all suck." Yeah, like it's, it's and those are some levels. of the best receivers in the NFL right now. It's different levels. It's like, a different. At the end of the day, it's about heart. And that's Louisiana kids too. And like Andre said, that Frazier and a Louisiana. It goes kid. back to that, like under Les Miles, that big cat drill. You don't see anything like that in practice anymore, anymore. At, at LSU. No, nope. you you get you not put these even guys, with the bubble wrap helmets. You put these guys in a big cat drill, they and I think die. they they'll run away from each other, screaming like little girls, dude. Like, it, bring back the big cat drill. I've been saying that for years. Bring it back. Bring back the big cat drill. You know, LSU brought back the big cat drill for one year. Since Les Miles is gone. Y'all know what year that was? 19. Take a guess. 19. 2019. You brought back the big cat drill. You had videos of Pat Queen and um and Clyde Edwards Elair doing a big cat drill. And you're like, oh sh Yeah. These Fires guys are freaking hitting. And you're watching the videos and you're like, man, this is this is something real. This is something physical. They're just missing out. It doesn't exist anymore. And, and you look at it last year, and I think I I saw it there too. It it it's true. You We're lose soft. the fire, and, and there's no – it's like they're not even excited to play. Like, you're playing for one of the biggest brands in America. And the real question is, and it's, it's a hard question to answer, is why? 
Yeah. Why and, don't you have fire? And like, what, what will make you have that fire? Like, that's that's a real question. But I'm gonna get into the defense because we have yep. so much to talk Let's about. Let's talk about. Um, they were just completely off, right? Uh, you had a couple of good plays with Deuce Chestnut um, getting an interception, as well as the Braden Swenson uh, pressures on Jordan Travis. Other than that, there were lots of problems, but let's start with the most apparent in the DB room. What is going on with the DBs, and is it the talent, like I said, or is it a coaching issue or both? I don't really know what it is. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a talent issue because you've got Deuce Chestnut, who was an all-ACC player last year, and you've got Zy Alexander, who I think has talent. I really do. But I, I think the talent, while it's not necessarily stellar and up to the LSU standard, it's still there. And I think that last night was just, I think, the worst possible matchup for our secondary, who already isn't very tall, and had to go up against 6'7", Johnny Wilson, and 6'4", Keon Coleman, who looked like one of the best receivers in college football Yeah, they looked like night. Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson on the outside, dude. It I was mean, they brutal. Really, they really did. And I said, I said on the tailgate show and the Sunday show that the DBs would struggle due to size, and I think that that's what they, they – I think did. that's what did. They did. And, I, you know, you ask, is it talent? Is it coaching? Is it both? It's, it's both. all of the above. Yep. It's everything you can think of. And it's even deeper than coaching. It's these guys haven't been in a room together long enough to know how to to know how to play with each other, you watch some of the best secondaries ever in football. Think of the Legion of Boom; those guys played together for almost ten years. They knew each other's play styles in and out. Richard Sherman knew exactly what Earl Thomas was doing. Who knew exactly what Cam Chancellor was doing? Communication. Who knew exactly what Brandon Browner was doing? They communicated so well with each other that it became second nature for them. These guys haven't had that opportunity yet, and. You're right. If, if I'm really going to be honest, it's subpar for the level of talent that should be in the LSU DB room. I, is that because you let Corey Raymond go? That's a different conversation. But I do think that while there is some talent there, it is not at the LSU defensive back standard. We're DBU. They they make the T-shirts. You need to have the talent to be DBU. I feel like we should have known when we're pulling guys from southeastern Louisiana. Yep. Yeah, I mean – to be a starting cornerback at LSU, that's when we should have known we were in trouble. And that's not even a diss at Zy Alexander either. We saw the practices. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. And, again, that's not a diss at Zy Alexander. You know, like major props to him for he being held good. Up. He Ooh. held up Zy, until – I was probably ball. your better DB. Yeah. And, the and two. major props for him for coming out of Southeastern and catching the eye of LSU and being good enough to become a starting cornerback at LSU. But he's not the standard. Yeah. No. No, the standard no. is Morris Claiborne, Patrick Peterson, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley, like, Brandon Taylor, guys that come yeah. in, they come to LSU to be defensive backs at LSU. Yeah. They don't go somewhere else to try and then get noticed by LSU. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. Y'all might think I'm crazy. I think the defensive backs are just the weakest they've been in my entire life yeah. that I've watched. LSU. I 100% agree. I think it starts with the fact that the talent is just not as strong. I think they have time to grow, but after watching last night, I don't think any LSU fan is going to think that they have that even possible in their bag. I, I think another part is coaching. You knew what you had since day one of camp. You knew what you had. Why didn't you game plan better? You played zone so well for a little bit. But, I mean, Jordan Travis had so much time back in the pocket. I will say that. Well, I think we, we played bend, not break very well for those first two quarters. And then our, I mean, no one was getting to Travis. No one. Yeah, and 
you talk about the zone coverage. I'd like to focus on the zone coverage for a little bit. It, it, the, the defensive side of the ball is my thing. This is what I do. This is the language I speak. When you're going to play zone, you have two goals when you're playing a get zone. To the quarterback. You need to get to the quarterback, and you need to keep the ball in front of you. Yep. And LSU did neither of those things. Right. They Look at the miss, beat over the top. Missed tackle on Keon Coleman, which led to a 40-yard touchdown. And you couldn't get after the quarterback. You had two, maybe three good defensive lines. Zero sacks. Of almost the six that played. Braden Swinson had some shining moments. He never got a sack. Makai Wingo and Jordan Jefferson, your two defensive tackles. Played well. I thought they were decent they on the interior. Yeah. But you didn't get after the quarterback. Nope. You know. Not even once. Savion man. Jones, absent. Ovia Gofu, yeah. absent. Paris Shan didn't even get on the field. Not even once, man. That that that's my thing. Not even once. And everybody said it. Everybody said if you if you listen to any other person who talked about this game, the one thing they said about the Florida State offense versus the LSU defense was LSU has to get after Jordan Travis. And they absolutely could not do that. They were and, and your, super ineffective. Your defensive line was so much more talented than that, their exactly. offensive line. Exactly. It, at one point, it it circles back. It's like circling back. What do you have to do to get these guys to play physical? Yeah. What What is going to make these guys get back there? Somebody I mean, really. pissing them off. Somebody punching them. Like that's at what I'm that saying. point, that's and, what it's and, and that's take what I'm saying. Like somebody punching you them. saw all these bad penalties that Florida State had. Nobody got mad. Nobody, oh my God. nobody on LSU's team when Jaden Daniels got absolutely smacked. Nobody Nobody's even helped him. Like he's barely lineup. helping him up. Can yeah. I talk about one? You can. can. I talk about one. I'd like to talk about the one where I believe it was Aaron Anderson. Yep, it's that's it. Thrown out of bounds, sideline on the LSU sideline with all the defense. It's a line. All the defensive line are right there, and not one person, A, went and helped Aaron Anderson up, or B, got after the dudes that just hit him late. Nobody. Your no. guy just got thrown to the ground yep. illegally, and you sat there and watched. And I you got you. punked. You got it, punked. It, and, and in 19, oh, there oh. would have been, been penalties. Could you flying. imagine Rashard Lawrence seeing that? Yeah. Or Michael Divinity? Or Patrick Queen. Dude, yeah. could you imagine those guys seeing that and just sitting there and watching? These yeah. no shot, like bro. Like I said, these no guys, shot. as they're of right soft. now, they're soft. They're sissies. They're not playing for each other. It's just it's it's participation trophy it's football. It's a bad like. spot that you're in right now. And I'm going to take a shot across the bow real quick because this is one of those things that frustrates me so much. As somebody who used to play football, who is involved in football, who studies football, everything like this, it's about the guy next to you. It's always about the guy next to you. Yep. What is Brian Kelly telling these guys? This is my shot across the bow. What is the head football coach, the leader of this program, the de facto leader of LSU athletics, telling these guys that they don't even want to play for each other? Yep. They don't even want to play for each other. It's a, and it's supposed to be a brotherhood and a family. Exactly. And, and it's supposed it just to be looks, a family. You yep. see the tweets all the time about the brotherhood, the yep. fraternity. We're a we're a family. You see I, those. I've heard Brian Kelly in practice tell these guys, like this is a brotherhood. Yeah, because with when, all when these had, fights, when right? They had that when they had the fight, fights, man. Screw, I don't think they ever recovered from about that. that fight. They should have encouraged that, dude. The I don't way think Brian, they ever recovered. The way Brian Kelly chewed him out after that fight, I think, is what killed a little bit of that competitive fire. I don't think they ever recovered because Brian Kelly. Ed said, "Well, no, Patrick Queen stated that they had fights." Every single day in practice. Yeah, the last big fight, and I remember telling you guys this 
you know, off off the record and off camera, the last massive fight that an LSU football team had in practice was in 2019. Are we sensing a pattern here? Are are we are we seeing it now? Like yeah. there, you have to have that. And, and Brian Kelly cut all those guys off at the knees when he ripped them all up in practice and, and he, kicked guys out of practice. Kicked them out when you you're telling when you're out. telling these guys not to fight and you're punishing them so bad for fighting. You're telling them, don't like, don't, don't be aggressive. You. You're yeah, don't have that fire. Don't, don't be aggressive. Now, you're look, teaching them not to stand I, I, up for each other. I think there's a point where you're like, okay, don't do this because it'll get us penalizing games. But you say that after practice. You don't. You don't. Take yeah, that's them a one-on-one that right conversation. Yeah, happen. that's like a bring the player to the meeting. Bring the player to the meeting. You that's say that in that group meetings too. Yeah, they have so many of those. Harold Perkins, that's one of them. He's always standing over the guy he tackles. Don't do that. Like, like I love the fire. But keep that, like, keep that off to the Put side. Put that fire into yeah. a hit, man. Yes, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, go sting a guy. Don't stand over him when you made the tackle. It's, the one against Jackson Dart, I thought he was going to get flagged. It's and like that a, was an important part in the game. It's like I said, when you're telling, when you're, when you're chewing on him so bad for fighting like that, you're teaching them not to stand up for Cut each other. Cut them off at the knees. Yeah. You, they're not standing up for each other. They're thinking, oh. Well, okay. well let me that, not fight because they're thinking I, about me. Coach. Yeah, they're thinking about me. Yeah, because they're looking at fight. Denver Harris right now. And, and he's not even on the team. No, Denver Harris didn't even travel. That's how these practice fights start. One guy has a cheap shot on another. And I stand up for my guy next to me. And yep. the offense goes because after offense defense, and, and defense you have fireworks. And supposed to hate each other. And, and that's just yeah. the fact of it. You're supposed you to still hate have each other love during for each the other. week. You're still teammates. But when you're on that field, it should be nothing but hatred towards that other side. Yep. And, and that's how it always should yep. be. I saw a video the other day, and I know that I'm going. I'm about to go to a different team with this. But I saw Warren Sapp, who is the defensive line coach at Colorado right now, the Warren Sapp, talking to the team. He gave a team meeting. And what he said was, during the week, we're not friends. I don't like the offensive line during the week. But when we, when we get on the field on a Saturday, we're like this. We're like a balled-up fist. Because yep. if I have my hand out, you can break every one of my fingers. But when I ball it up, you can't break them as easy. Yep. And that's exactly what he said. And that's what LSU doesn't have right now. They are two wide open hands ready to be broken. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move on. So um, defensive play calling just really questionable. We saw lots of zone. Harold Perkins being used as a middle linebacker, but then not enough pressure. Obviously, what what does Matt House have to do to get the defensive rhythm? Put Harold Perkins back in his actual spot because he's not a middle linebacker. I've been screaming that all summer that Harold Perkins in the middle linebacker. He didn't play like a Mike linebacker. That was Omar Spates' job. On he, Sunday, he couldn't even communicate, and he wasn't doing a great job of communicating. It really came down to Greg Brooks was doing a lot of the communicating. Right. When your safety is the guy throwing signals to the defensive line, that's when the white flags up. You're probably having a bad day. Put Harold Perkins in his right spot. Let him be that Jack linebacker, that hybrid defensive end, almost like the Micah Parsons role is what I like to call yeah. it, because he's really the modern age of that. He's quick. Put like him he's back gonna in that do role. It. He's gonna get to the quarterback. You can scheme for him. But then that means that the offensive line has to focus on him. Let somebody else beat yeah, him. Yeah, like let a guy like, like Braden Swinson come off that's the what edge, I'm saying, or Makai yeah. Wingo, or Jordan Jefferson, or you get Mason Smith back next this next, cup, yeah, coming week. This week. You, if you make the defense worry about Harold Perkins coming after the passer, that frees up so many guys. Because I dare you to double team Harold Perkins yeah. and then put Makai Wingo, Mason Smith, Savion Jones, Braden Swinson, Jordan Jefferson, any of those guys in that defensive line room one on one against your offensive lineman. I dare you. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll go back to Harold Perkins in a second, but 
for me, one of the biggest things you needed to do in this game was keep pressure on Jordan Travis, and it just did not happen after the ha- after halftime. It didn't. It was like they were too focused on coverage of the secondary, which just isn't your strong suit on this team. It's just flat out not. You're not playing to your strengths. In my opinion, you needed to just load the box because your defensive front is one of the best in the country. Yeah, and you saw when you put pressure on Jordan Travis the couple times that you actually did get to him, he made mistakes. Yeah. So why not when you see that say, hey, we're going to start pressuring him. DBs, I need you to give us four seconds. And, you know, maybe maybe Mason yeah. Smith was a little bit bigger of a loss than, than we, we wanted to thought, recognize. Yeah. But, I mean, hopefully having him back, you'll you'll see a little bit of an improvement. But you don't even know what you have in him. No, it's been two he years hasn't since played he's played since football. His freshman year. You, have no clue. you don't even know if he's he's the same speed. You don't know if you don't know any of that. That's it's why I'm tough. saying hope because you just you just don't know. It's tough. And and here's another issue I had with Matt House is when you were sending pressure, it was five man rushes off the edge. Yeah, leaving the safeties to cover the. You had the no great pressure. Cor- cor- I mean, uh, wide receivers. And, and to be fair. Everybody said, oh, this Florida State offensive line isn't that good. They're not that good. They're not. I didn't think they were. They played great. They were like one of the best offensive lines in the country on Sunday night. They completely outplayed LSU. But the problem is when the pressure on the outside around the tackles wasn't working over the edge, why did we see no inside pressure? There was no twists. There was Nothing. no there it was, was just no straight stunts. Up. Straight up. There was no stunts. It was five guys, five down linemen. And they're all going after the quarterback. There was no scheming. And there straight, was no stunning. Like I said, there was, there was no, no twist. Yep. There was no, I'm going to send a blitz through the A-gap now. I'm going to put Harold Perkins or Braden Swinson through the A-gap now. Through the weak, yeah, weak side or something. Instead of just having him loop around the edge, there was no interior pressure in Jordan Travis's face. And when you did get interior pressure from Makai Wingo and Jordan Jefferson, it worked. Jordan Travis made mistakes. You had the ball where he, where Makai Wingo's in his face. He just lost it up, and Greg Pre- Greg Penn and uh, or excuse me, Greg Brooks and Harold Perkins have a miscommunication and don't come down with the interception. I think if Perkins gets that, it's a pick six. Um, but there was no interior pressure, and Matt House never realized, hey, this pressure on the outside isn't working. Let me try a different route. And look, I wanna I wanna go back to what y'all were talking about with Harold Perkins, right? With Brink, you're just putting him back as a Almost a pure edge rusher. Teams are going to figure that out, though. That's my, my right. Opinion. That's my uh, thing, y'all. Everybody online, not everybody, but there's a lot of LSU fans online saying just put him back, rushing on the edge. No, that's what works. That's not going to work. It's not what's going to work. I obviously it worked last year because nobody had ever seen him before. Nobody knew what he yeah. could do, and it worked. But and also what, you put him in spots where you could succeed. You can't put him at inside line inside linebacker and, and have, him have him drop, drop back, back in, in coverage. coverage every time. Put Greg Penn on the field when Harold Perkins is not rushing. It's straight up like that. What Brian Kelly's trying to do with Harold Perkins, and I, I believe he said this at the press conference today, is get him NFL ready. Yeah, which but do is, you want to win games or do you want to make respect. kids? You have no, to do but at the end of the day, your job as a head coach is develop athletes I get and develop that. men. I, I think but you had a whole summer job. to do that. You had a whole summer. He has to find the balance. That's my thing about it is, and I think he's also said well, that today. Well, that's why I say that's why I say put him in the Micah Parsons role. Micah Parsons doesn't just rush the passer. No, he you look at where too. he takes snaps from. The dude takes snaps as a three tech in a cheetah package. Like if, if that's the guy who's moving everywhere around the defense, you need to mold Harold Perkins' snaps around him because that's the closest comp. 
you know, Harold Perkins isn't as big as Michael Parsons, not as strong That's as Michael Parsons. That's my thing. He's Harold Perkins is six one. Yeah, when yeah. he was an spying NFL, an NFL team on is Sunday? not an NFL team is not gonna want a six one edge rusher. They're just not. When he no. was spying on Sunday, which is why he's he gonna hit. have to learn how to play middle linebacker. And that's what I'm saying. He has to learn. Down the I line, just, yes. But when he's doing that bad listen, in coverage. Listen to what I'm saying. I think that against the number eight team in the country in week one was not the game to, to make him do that. that. Yep. You do that against Grambling that, or exactly Georgia what I was Southern. Say. Or you Miss do, State. I think Miss State's a good start. Exactly. I think doing that against the number eight team and just throwing him into the deep end when he's never had to do this before is the worst possible thing you could do as a defensive coach, even as a head coach. And Brian Kelly wanted to talk about in the in – the, post-game presser oh it's just growing pains learning a new position no it's throwing him into the deep end and he's drowning you had an op like andre said you had an opportunity all summer to have growing pains yep you if had you, an if opportunity you all if you see summer it to tell harold perkins hey you're gonna get your ass busted for a long time it's, it's on the coaching man like it, at, at some point you have to ask yourself are we really putting these guys in, in the place that they the need to be yep. i mean that's exactly like what I said, I said earlier. When Nate and I went watch scrimmages, I know they weren't showing their best, but you had Greg Penn and Omar Spates out there for most of the snaps. And what was Harold doing? Rushing, Rushing when he was on the field with Omar Spates. Spates was dropping back in coverage. Why can't they do that? And it worked in practice. It I don't, worked. I don't, my thing, it's, it revolves around this during this game. You didn't do what worked. You didn't play to your strengths. You had things that worked, and you then tried just all kinds of different stuff. You stopped yeah. doing what worked. I just that like blows my it mind. It almost felt it almost felt like LSU thought the game didn't count. Like it almost yeah. like it was a preseason game. Like they were just experimenting. Yep. Yeah, week one against number eight isn't the time to, uh, to especially experiment. against a Heisman Trophy yeah. candidate. You can't just go play science project with, no, with all man. these new nope. schemes, especially with one of the best players in the country in Hell Perkins. Out schemed you last year. Now here's the thing. You, you can talk about the pressures. You can talk about it. Matt House, in my opinion, made the correct decision to play zone. The whole goal oh, no, of the we zone. Oh, no, we had to. We had to. The whole goal of Look. playing zone all night was we're going to keep Jordan Travis in front of us. We're not going to get our DBs lost 25 yards down the field and let them run for 150 yards. Because look what touchdowns. happened when we played man. The yep. fourth and down touch, or, uh, conversion. Yep. The, you had to the play Keon zone. Coleman touchdown on Major Burns. Now, here's the thing. Man blitz. When you go and play Mississippi State and you play against Will Rogers, then you could say, hey, Deuce, go get their guy. Hey, Zai, yeah. go get that guy. Yeah, we need you. for. You can yeah. play man against a team like Mississippi yes. State because yeah. Will Rogers, he'll run a little bit, but he's not Jordan Travis. Right. I shudder to think what Will Rogers is going to do to this defense if we show up playing a soft zone like we did against Florida State. Yeah. He might break another record against LSU. Yeah. He's already got one. He might break another one. Yeah, so uh, to end off this week, I just want to ask you guys two things that LSU needs to do better uh, this weekend against Grambling moving forward. Play defense and catch the freaking ball. That's it for me. Play better defense and catch the ball. If you want the general answer, play better and coach better. But yeah. to be more specific, I think – this is the kind of game where you're like, okay, guys, here's all the film from Florida State. I didn't like this, 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 and this. I'm going to bust you up in practice, and here's what we're going to do on Saturday. LSU will be just fine on Saturday. This isn't the game I'm worried about. I'm worried about next week. Will Rogers. Against Will Rogers in Mississippi State. Because yep. Will Rogers will sling it. They're going to throw the ball 50 times. 
and you looked really bad every time Jordan Travis dropped back on Sunday night. What's the game plan there? Are you going to play straight up man? Because if you don't and you play that soft zone, he's going to throw for 750 yards. Yeah, you're going to have to be able to make And 10 touchdowns, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, what is this guy? He's like the second coming. Yep. Uh, For me, I mean, I I love how this team played with discipline this week, but I'd like to Yeah, it was a clean game. I'd like to just see all in all from every group just physical play. Like we've talked about, if you're the offensive line next week, Give the backs holes to run through. If you give your quarterback time, DBs, go after the ball, cover your guy, do something, man. And here's here's the thing about playing a clean game, and this will be my, my last point before I kind of shut it down. You almost played too clean. You saw Florida State yeah. lose their heads. Right? If you knew you couldn't play man coverage, push the guy. Like I don't give it I I don't care if you give up a 15 you yard almost penalty. Played right? Too clean. Because it felt like Florida State made some made some bonehead plays, they the did. late hits, some stuff like that. But those guys hit hard, and they yeah. played physical, exactly. and they were ready for a fight. LSU I played clean, but I wasn't ready for a fight. Agree. They thought Florida State was going to box with them. Florida State didn't box with you. Florida State bum-rushed you and fought you, and you weren't ready for that. Yeah. Boxing is a science. Fighting is a spirit. And LSU was Had no fight. trying to do a science project, like you said, when Florida State was ready for war. Yep. Uh, I, I think my second thing, another thing I'd like to see is, is find your rotation for defense, uh, which includes those third-down rush guys, second-down coverage, just just all the kind of small things. Figure out who can play in the red zone on defense. I just want to see better defense all yeah. in all. And, and the communication. The communication is awful. If you see some, you need to be screaming to your yeah. guys. There was none of that. No, there was there none was of no that. There was no waving of the hands. Yeah, there, there was, was no nothing. pointing, nothing. Yeah. There was no, no communication Nothing. Uh, so just figure out the question marks over there. But you guys have anything else to say? I have one more thing about the defense. And, and or in, so on many. Sunday night. So many. So many times where you had the opportunity to get on the field. I didn't see LSU come out with a cheetah package once. For, no, the, for those uninitiated, a cheetah package is when you take your four or five best pass rushers and you tell them, boys, Pin your ears back and go get them. Yep. And that never happened. You're telling me Omar Spates, if you put Omar Spates and Harold and when Perkins he did together. It, when he did it, it was on fourth and two. Yep. Fourth and two, they knew it was coming. Yep. Why would you do it on fourth and two? Here, Here's the thing. If you put Omar Spates and Harold Perkins next to each other and said, hey, which one do you think is the dynamic pass rusher? 95% of them would point at Omar Spates. Probably. Why are we not letting Omar Spates blitz? He's very good at it. Package the guy. Yeah. Put him in the peso package. Put him in the cheetah package. Let him do something. Yeah. Other than let him be a playmaker or run stuff. sitting there in a the middle read. He I was agree. sitting there in the middle of the field with Harold Perkins just kind of looking off with his finger up his nose, just trying to figure out where he was supposed to go. And you completely took both your linebackers out the game, and that was the worst position group the whole night. They were even worse than the DBs, in my opinion. That's my final thing. The defense has to be so much better. Madhouse has to be better. Everybody who puts on a white jersey on Saturday night against Grambling State has yep. to be better. Yeah. Now the question is, like you said, um, what? how do you react? How do you react to this? So that will do it uh, for us here on the Hodges Huddle this week. Thanks to Andon Bramham and Nathan Messina for joining us this week. Yes, sir. I'm- yes, sir. And thank you, Mr. Andre Champon. Of course. I'm Andre Champon, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.